Well, good evening once again. And uh, it's good, isn't it? It's good to, to worship and it's good to share testimony. All of us need that sort of encouragement, that sort of, um, that, that sort of help. Every week it's good that we share and we, we have this opportunity to, to encourage one another in our faith. It's what we're called to do. So, John, thanks for leading us in, in worship this evening. It's, it's uh, as ever, it is honouring to God and it's good for us to do that. So this evening we're looking at the theme of celebration. And I felt this week, I've been quite challenged. I've been quite challenged um, about enemies. Not because I've got any personal enemies, but as I've been studying, one of the things we've been looking at, one of the questions that we've been challenged on at college this week was, um, was, was what, who, who are your enemies and why? Now, that might seem a slightly um, odd way to start a sermon which is going to focus on celebration, but stick with me. We're going to start off this evening by reading from Romans chapter 12. Um, Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 14, page 1139 in the the church Bibles. Paul writes these words. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So it's interesting, this passage, because one of the, it starts off with an assumption. There's an assumption that we will be persecuted. That's a fair assumption. But it also assumes that we will have enemies. Now, of course, we shouldn't be surprised about that. Jesus had enemies. Paul certainly had enemies. The disciples had enemies. We know that many of them were martyred for their their faith. They had enemies, people who rose up against them. The world is full of enemies. The world is, is scarred by conflict. Look at the Middle East. Look at the troubles that plagued Northern Ireland for so long. Look at Syria. Look right now at the Kashmir province. We've got all of these examples of of conflicts, all these times where we we have two sides. And there's a flashpoint, and there's a disagreement, and an argument. And one side comes off slightly better and one side is perceived to have come off worse. And the side that comes off worse reacts and retaliates and seeks vengeance. And then the the side that that has been been subject to that, they then seek revenge. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And before you know it, the original dispute has got almost lost because it's been built upon and built upon and built upon. And there's been tragedy and, and loss And suddenly, we find ourselves in a seemingly 
unsolvable conflict. You see, the world is full of enemies. Conflict has always plagued the human race. But as Christians, just think for a minute, who are our enemies? You might think of an individual. You might not. I'm not going to ask to share, don't worry. But why do we have enemies? We're called to love one another. We're called to love our neighbour. You see, we can point to Jesus and say, well, Jesus had enemies, therefore it's okay for us to. But why do we have enemies as Christians? Where do they, how does that come to be? Do we create them by our own actions and our attitude? Or are they enemies of our faith? You see, Jesus had enemies. Well, they were, they were, they were enemies of Jesus, enemies of God. But as Christians, it seems that too often when we have enemies, they're not actually enemies of God. They're enemies of us. Hate what is evil. Love what is good. A relationship between two people where one describes the other as an enemy is not good. Now, of course, the world is full of enemies. We can't get away from it. But this passage tells us how to deal with anybody that we perceive to be an enemy. And this advice is, is, is gold dust. This advice saves churches. This advice saves people. It saves relationships. This advice can avoid conflict. Paul says, bless those who persecute you. That is, a, that is one of the biggest challenges in Scripture. Bless those who persecute you. But of course, he doesn't actually say, be soft. He doesn't say, look, whatever people do to you, tell them it's okay. It's not okay. Of course not. Paul says, look, you believe in an all-powerful God. Okay? And God has promised to seek vengeance righteously when it's due. So leave it to him. Don't worry about it. In fact, go the other way. He quotes, he quotes Proverbs 25. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where that's reversed, where the, the whole burning coals thing kind of, kind of uh, comes to haunt you. I had one before I'd even got out of bed this morning. Burning coals were heaped upon my head. <coughs> Last night, um, I was, uh, Joe was just going to bed, and I was just settling down to, to finish this morning's sermon and this evening, just read through my notes. He said, I, I always do it on a Saturday night, just read through notes for what I'm doing the next day. And um, I, I, I don't have a good night's sleep unless I've done that. And so Joe said, right, I'm off to bed. And I suddenly was sitting there, and I thought, I can hear running water. And I thought, well, Joe's just gone to bed, what is that? And so I went into the kitchen. Sure enough, uh, the kitchen tap was just running. And I thought, oh, I just left the tap on. Went to turn it off, and it was, it was off. The tap, the washer had gone or something. Anyway, I went and I said, Joey, what's going on with the tap? And she said, oh, I did that the other day. It's, it's, we need to get that sorted. It's been dripping for months and months. We've had it coming. Anyway, Joe being Joe, I didn't actually know she was going to be here tonight, so she wasn't supposed to hear this, but never mind. <laughs> Joe being Joe, right there and then last night, said, right, okay, well, let's get everything out of the cupboard, let's isolate the tap, let's, let's do what needs to be done. And I thought, right, okay, fair enough, I'm, I'm the world's least practical person. So um, I sort of stood there and, and held bottles and things as she passed them out of the cupboard and she found a screwdriver and isolated the tap and it stopped running. Brilliant, great. Anyway, she said, right, can you, 
can you do something about it? I thought, oh, no, no, I, I physically can't. I haven't got a clue. I said, look, no, I'll, I'll do it in the morning. She said, no, you won't. I said, no, I'll, I'll do it in the morning. She said, you won't have time in the morning. You're going off to South Green. I said, right, okay. This morning I woke up. She said, are you going to do something about that tap? I'll do it when I get home. And there was a slight dissatisfaction, I think, with, with my response. And I lay in bed this morning thinking, well, it's, it's, it's unreasonable to ask me to do this because I'm, you know, I've got to get ready. I've got sermons to go and preach. I need to go and go and do my job. I thought, well, I'll do it later on. It will be fine. So Joe's got Timothy to get ready, got herself to get ready, and uh, cooking breakfast and stuff, and doing doing all the all the things that she normally does. And I've just got me to get ready, and I'm laying in bed, just thinking, right, well, I'll sort it later on. I'll sort it later. And I felt burning coals poured upon my head when she then, I heard a little bit of clattering around. I thought it was I thought it was breakfast being prepared, but it wasn't. I heard a bit of clattering around. She comes upstairs and she's got the the, the I don't know what it's called the guts of the tap. She's gone on YouTube, she's found a video, she's gone to, the, to our toolbox, she's found the right Allen key or screwdriver or whatever it was. She's undone it, she's opened it, and she's got the guts out in about two minutes. And I thought, oh, why? Why? I don't, I don't feel like the man of the house anymore. You've just done the one the job that I... Oh, not that I would have been able to do it, but I just, I'd felt that sort of self-righteousness. Well, of course, it's unreasonable. Who's going to do it? This, oh, you are. Oh. Of course, that's a trivial example, but I did feel a bit silly. I'm not saying that Joe and I are enemies, just to, just to clarify that. We're not. But you see, let's think of another example then. What about Jesse Owens, the Berlin Olympics, when Adolf Hitler has got this flagship event, the Nazi party have risen to power, is in the process of trying to create the Aryan race, the perfect example of what, what mankind should be. And then this black American athlete comes in and wipes the floor with all the competition and takes gold medal after gold medal after gold medal and is the star of the games. I suspect that Adolf Hitler may have felt the hot coals being poured out upon his head. It's an interesting idea, isn't it? The, the hot coals, what does that mean? I, was, I, I, was, I read in one commentary that um, some scholars say it's a possible reference to an ancient Egyptian practice. It was something that the, um, the Israelites had picked up when they were um, under the um, Jewish slaves in, in Egypt. And it was a practice when there was a trial, if someone got found guilty, a punishment, punishment would be literally having a bucket of hot coals placed upon the head. And it would singe and it would burn and it would be painful and it, was, it, was a, a, it would scar and it was a sign that this person is guilty. So this isn't a pleasant... This is not a pleasant thing. This is not just a, a, a drop of coal and it bounces off and, oh, oh, that hurt a bit. This was a punishment. This was serious. This was torture. Some of you might recognise the name Sophia Khan. She was the, um, the, the Muslim girl in Birmingham who, when the um, English Defence League, and there was, a, there was a big right-wing protest, thugs, for want of a better word, standing there protesting against... Muslims against ethnic minorities, against other races, wanting to, wanting to purify Britain. And she went and fronted them out. And there was that picture, I'm not sure if you would have seen it, but it was in the national press at the time, a picture of her just calmly standing there, staring this guy in the face as he was shouting vitriol at her. 
That picture took off around the world. It gave so much encouragement to so many people because she was just peacefully, this, this, small, this, this relatively small-framed young lady standing there, just peacefully fronting out the vitriol and the vile that was being spewed by the far right. That's a powerful image. And of course, at the time, they felt they were intimidating her. They felt they were winning. They felt that she was looking ridiculous. And then his picture took off around the world and the hot coals were poured out upon their heads. Apparently, she's now touring with the specials. I'm not quite sure how that came about, but she was, she was actually wearing a specials T-shirt. They got in touch with her and invited her to come and join them. So suddenly, she's gone from being unemployed, not sure what to do with life, to having this brilliant opportunity You see, we can have these fears, can't we? We can have fears about, about what might happen if we, if, we do, if we do bless those who persecute us, if we don't curse them, if we, if we don't fight fire with fire, if we don't respond with, to, to evil with something, something similar, because that's what we want to do. That's what we, we, want to, we want to fight back. We want to act in a way that doesn't necessarily honour God. We can have fears that we might be taken advantage of. We might look weak. They might just hate us even more because we've humiliated them. They might be humbled. You never know. But there's often a fear. The world tells us that, that we, we, we fight evil with evil. We respond to good with good. Do you know what the Bible says? Their response is irrelevant. It's your response that matters. Do we create enemies by our actions and our attitudes? Or do we respond in a godly manner that promotes Christian values, that promotes the teachings of Jesus? The world says that we've got to practice evil for evil or good for good, but the Bible says we should meet evil with good. Evil doesn't come from God. So if we meet evil with evil, then in effect, we're doing Satan's work. That's not a pleasant thing to think. But if we respond to evil with evil, if we respond to a harsh word with a harsh word, if we respond to a, an unpleasant gesture with an unpleasant gesture, we're not doing God's work. And so we give thanks for Paul. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, earlier on, we, um, I, I, I came in a bit before the service, and um, Ian and Andrew were hosting the first session of the Alpha course. It's brilliant. There's, there's, there's half a dozen or so new people who want to, want to hear about the gospel, want to hear about Jesus, want to explore the Christian faith. What a fantastic privilege. That's brilliant. And Ian and Andrew have run these things for years. They're brilliant at doing it, and it will be a good course. People will benefit from it. People will learn from it. We should be praying into it and encouraging it. But when I walked in tonight, I just thought, at the start of an Alpha course, you hear all the good stuff. As you go through the course, you challenge, you have the questions, but you hear all the good stuff. Unfortunately, the world isn't full of good stuff. Unfortunately, there are plenty of times when we don't get treated in a way we'd like to be treated. Other people don't practice the teaching of treat others as you'd like to be treated. 
But we don't, we don't have to respond in the way that the world responds. We respond in the way that the Bible teaches us to respond. We bless those who persecute us. We do not repay anyone evil for evil. We be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. We do not take revenge. We leave that to God. You see, this, this gift, this gift of Jesus, this gift of eternal life, this gift of salvation, it's like a lottery win. There are some lottery winners who, who might win two or three million pounds, a life-changing sum of money. And unbelievably, they blow it all. There are plenty of examples of people who have, who have blown it all straight away. They've not, they've not been responsible. They've not used it wisely. And so, in effect, their lives haven't actually been changed. They've been changed for a very, very short space of time, but they haven't actually been changed. But, of course, there are others who have won a similar sum of money, and their lives have genuinely, genuinely been changed because they've, they've done something with it. They've either used it to bless others or bless their family. They've used it wisely. They've benefited, and so have those around them. When we, when we discover Christ, when we call ourselves Christians, when we, when we take on that mantle and say, I belong to Jesus, it should have a positive effect. We should feel like we've won the lottery, and then we should do, we should do something wise with it. We should share with people. We should encourage people. We should, we should lift people up. We should make sure that people know that we are, we, are the, we are the people that if, if they have a flashpoint, if they have a, a moment of anger, they're not going to be retaliated against. Instead, they're going to hear a kind word, a thoughtful message. They're going to be loved. This morning, we looked at Hebrews 11. And we were reminded, weren't we, of all of those examples of, of people who have overcome evil by honouring God, by being faithful, by sticking to their faith. And there was example after example after example, name after name after name. And I don't know about you, but I, I felt a bit like, it was a bit like Pavlov's dog. Every time a name was mentioned, you suddenly, oh yeah, that story, oh yeah, that story, oh yeah. And it's like the writer of the Hebrews is, is sort of is imploring his readers, look, don't give up, don't give up. I know, I know that we live in a world that doesn't reflect these values, but we do. Don't give up. Because look at the weight of evidence in history, all of these people who have been faithful, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they've suffered with. I found it so helpful this morning to go through that passage, to be reminded that time after time after time, good overcomes evil. And of course, it culminates in Jesus on the cross. That ultimate moment where good overcomes evil. Oh, death, where is your sting? There is no sting anymore in death. Because that's not the end for the Christian. It's the beginning of an eternity with Jesus. As we went through example after example this morning, down at South Green, we were encouraged. We were encouraged to, to persevere, to have faith, to look back at the weight of history and then to look at our own lives and consider all the times when God has lifted us, God has encouraged us, because God is good. If our lives to be a celebration of Jesus' victory over evil, 
And we need to try and make sure that we are never responsible for evil acts or words or attitudes. You see, we are accountable to God. We are accountable for what we do and what we say. Because what we do and what we say, we do and say in his name. We represent God in this world. That's such a privilege. That's a huge privilege. It's something to celebrate. This is good news. This is good news. You see, when Jesus died, rocks were split open. The dead were raised. There was, there was the, the splitting of the curtain in the temple, the barrier between man and God. This was such a significant event. It changed history forever. And it changed mankind. It changed you and me. Jesus' victory over evil was so significant. But it's up to us to make sure that that significance is still appreciated today. It's up to us to celebrate that today. Every day. To make sure that, that the faith that we live has a positive effect on those around us. And one of the ways that we can do that is by making sure that we bless those who persecute us, not curse them. When we are condemned, we can, we can react in the appropriate way. We don't necessarily like it. We don't necessarily like the, the gesture when we're driving, when maybe we've pulled out on someone. We don't necessarily like the, the words we hear down at the pub. We don't necessarily like it when someone barges into us in the high street and doesn't apologise. We don't necessarily like it when someone nicks our parking space. But we can still bless people because all of those things are trivialities. When God looks at us, does he have a oh moment or does he have a yes moment? Every single day we can ask ourselves that question. Have I pleased God today? Have I honoured him Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. You see, all of these attitudes are saying, don't make enemies of people. Don't make enemies. Don't put people's backs up. If you walk into the kitchen and someone hasn't done the washing up, don't, feel, don't, don't get cross about it. Just do it. Bless them by doing their washing up. What a privilege. Serve. Love them. Love them. Because you never know who's looking on. You never know. So let's make sure. Let's make sure that as we go into this week, if we feel condemned at any point, if we feel, if we feel at any point that we're, we're being persecuted, if we feel that someone's been harsh with us, let's make sure that our response is one that honours God. That is a challenge. But it's a challenge that we can do when we submit ourselves to Jesus, when we submit ourselves to the teaching of our Bible, of our book, our word of God. We can meet that challenge head on and we can beat it. So quite simply, let's not be overcome by evil. But instead, let's focus on overcoming evil with good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the, the richness of what it contains. And Lord, thank you for the, the, the challenge, although, although we don't always get this right, Father, thank you that, that we, can, 
We can bear that in mind this week. That this week, as we're faced with situations where maybe we feel, we feel challenged, we feel pressurised, where we feel wronged, Father, help us to react in a way that honours you. Father, may the first word that comes out of our mouth not be one that condemns the other person, but instead one that honours you. Help us to bless those around us regardless of, of how we are treated. Father, every day, every morning, your mercies are renewed. Every day we have a fresh start. Every day you give us new blessings. Father, thank you for that. And help us, Lord, to to live live in a spirit of gratitude. Live in a way that doesn't doesn't create enemies, whether whether we know them or not. Help us to live in a way that doesn't make people avoid us or or keep away from us. Help us to live in a way that attracts people to us so that through us they can be attracted to you. Lord, be with us this week and help us to meet this challenge to overcome evil with good. In Jesus' name, amen.